Welcome to Guided Way Ministries with Pastor Alan Rogers. In a fast-growing cold world, this message offers you the bread of life and an opportunity to drink from the fountain of living water. In this message, you will hear only the truth, and if you do not want to listen to it, turn it off. If you are hungry for revelation in the Word of God, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you are looking to be spiritually uplifted, be willing to listen, and listen with all your attention. For what you will hear in this message is not carnal, but spiritual. We hope you are blessed, edified, and fully rejuvenated in your spirit to continue with everyday life. Today's title is Forsaking All to Follow. And today's lesson is on what we individually are holding on to and what we might just be refusing to let go of, which is preventing us from not only entering the kingdom of heaven, but also from progressing our walk with Jesus. Amen. And I don't want people to right away think that serving Jesus shuts you out from the rest of the world and everything that it is. But I will explain what and when the things are that we are supposed to forsake, thus allowing us to follow. And what I'm not saying is that we have to leave our literal homes, family, friends, jobs, pets, and everything except your Bible. Go live in the wilderness. Trust God to feed you like he did the Israelites. And anything else would have you help bound. That's not what I want you guys to right away think. So if we could turn to Luke chapter 5. Amen. When you're there, please. So we'll read all the way down to verse 8. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets for a drop. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And we'll read verse 9 too. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. So Simon Peter's job was a fisherman. It was to catch fish, and by the sounds of it, he hadn't had a very good day. And while Jesus was talking to the crowds, teaching them, no doubt Peter had been listening to Jesus, seeing what he had to say, basically just getting to know the guy that got in his ship and said, here, take me out into the water so I could talk to these people. And when Jesus was done, he tells Peter to go out into the deep, let your nets down so you could catch some fish. On Friday, Pastor Allen gave an example of how we listen and do what Jesus says. The example was with the cup. When he said here, when Jesus was to say, give him this cup, and he just slid it to him, but just gave it to him with no regard. That's not how Jesus want, Jesus would have wanted it done, how he asked him to do it. It was to hand him to nicely, a good, not just, there you go, you want a cup, there you go. Jesus said, so there you go. It wasn't like that. And Peter's profession, being a part of the word professional, doesn't say what he says argumentatively like the world when they say, bro, do you even fish? He didn't tell Jesus that. Or like, we were already there, we fished the whole lake, we tried, 
and we didn't get anything, that would be the definition of insanity or us doing what you wanted. But he just tells me, we tried all the night, but because you say it at thy word, I will let down the net. He says that just because Jesus told him to, he didn't know who Jesus was at the time, but he was listening to, I'm sure what he was talking to, Jesus drew him to him. And he says, I will do what you say because just because you said it. And when they catch more than, than the net and the ships can bear, that they start breaking and the ship starts sinking, he was right away just astonished, it says, and he falls down to his to worship him. You're way too good for me. He he knows. And in uh, Psalm 33, 8, it says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And that's just what had happened. And a moment I was in awe was... When we prayed for that lady that had been complaining and complaining and complaining at mom's job. And then it got back, word got back to us that she just said, I'm not going to complain anymore. I wasn't surprised out of, oh, I was in disbelief that it would actually be answered. But just out of awe, like, wow, <laughs> you know, it actually, it happens. Jesus does listen and he does, yeah. he does do it. And uh, skipping down to verse 11 of Luke chapter 5. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. It goes without saying that Peter and the people that were with them were James and John. They made the catch of their life. Two ships got full in a matter of minutes, I'd say. They stood to make a lot of money now because their job being fishermen, they caught a lot of fish. But Peter, it mentions him specifically when he falls down and says, For I am a sinful man, depart from me. Those fish that he had caught, he could have stolen to the fisheries or wherever they were done. And he would have been living good for a while. But he right away recognized who Jesus was, what he had to offer him, outweighed far and far more than all the fishes that he could have caught if he would even have stayed in that spot. He, he didn't even care. It says they forsook all and they followed him. They knew Jesus had way more to give them than all of the fish. So if we could turn now to Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 all the way to the end, but I'll stop in between. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So this man that goes to Jesus to ask him what he has to do to get eternal life, this man was asking with pride too. He knew he was doing good stuff. Just like if I was to go to work and say, hey, what can I do to get a raise? Knowing that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but still wanting to hear, oh, you're doing everything right. So he, he goes asking that, wanting to hear that he's doing a good job. So when I talk about it, I'll talk with us like as if we took out the pride part, because pride is not good, obviously. And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And the guy says to Jesus, Which? So Jesus says, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the man, if he wasn't keeping any of the commandments, he wouldn't have said which ones. But he wanted to hear it again, to hear that he had been doing things right. So the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So when Jesus tells him to sell everything he had, he gets sad, because he doesn't want to give that up. Not because what he has is bad, but because his heart is holding on to it. That's where, you know, where your heart is, there, where your treasure, it was 
right there was all for him in what he had. So he didn't want to do that. Like with us, pastor goes to fast to get some answers from God. He goes asking, taking the pride out of it. God, I, I want an answer from you. I want this or I want that. You know, what do I need to do? So then he says, go fast for three days and then come talk to me afterwards. So he does that willingly, not, oh, well, I just got done fasting last weekend. Can't that cover for this? He does it again. And if we ask Jesus, what do I need to do? Not so much that we'll get eternal life, but let's say we want a, a smaller thing like that lady's prayer to stop complaining. And then uh, one of the responses we get is to, oh, well, do a shut-in on Sunday. And we say, what, what a whole day? Shut-in, sitting at the church. And then we're like, no, we don't want to do that because it's not convenient for us. How about we, we give to the poor? Or, or I have plenty of food. How about I just cook for the church? We right away start reasoning to give God what's comfortable for us as opposed to God saying, forsake what you have, go sell it, give to the poor and follow me. He didn't want to do that because he was going to lose maybe everything that he worked for. Mm -hmm. So it's what his heart was towards them that corrupted the things. Because if he had a, a nice car or a big house, that's not necessarily bad. But just because he held on to that more than Jesus, Amen. what Jesus had to offer him, <clears throat> that's what made it a sin. So I'll read Galatians 5. 19 through 21. These are a little bit more obvious sins that will definitely keep you out because they are of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So some little extra smaller things that aren't quite that severe, but still will keep you out. Our pride, grudges, disobedience, self-gratification, other things that, although, well, you know, I'm not committing adultery. But then if someone says, hey, can you forgive me? And you're like, no, I need some time. That's, it's not as severe of a thing to us, but it still is against the way God wants us to live. Therefore, ultimately being just as bad. So, verse 23 of Matthew. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? So yes, Peter, we read in Luke, he did forsake all his two ships of fish. And he did follow Jesus. And he's not asking, well, hey, we forsake all things, so what are you going to give us? He's not asking that. He's just disciples being themselves like us ourselves. We respond very physical to Jesus' spiritual stuff. So if they see, oh, if the man has a nice house and he doesn't want to sell it, that's going to keep him out of heaven. So then they think, well, then who can go to heaven? It sounds like it's impossible for anyone. Because Jesus has been talking to the other people, teaching them, healing them, forgiving them. So then to them, that's the obvious, the people that, you know, need to give things up to be safe. But Peter thinks, well, we've been following you, so what shall we get? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
And everyone that hath forsaken houses, brethren, sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. So that man that didn't want to sell his possessions to give to follow Jesus, he did it with the bad heart, so then he's the one that's not going to inherit everlasting life, not the person that just is doing everything they can but since they didn't right away forsake their houses brethren you don't have to just leave everything and drop everything and just follow jesus jesus isn't like that that's not what kind of follower he's asking for an example or an illustration for the man that won't let go is if someone was say someone was drowning in some water and you went to save them so when you got to the water you saw them trying to swim trying to save themselves but they were holding on to two 50 pound dumbbells that would be impossible to save yourself if you're trying to swim with those dumbbells because they're yeah. just weighing you down. And if you said, well, you know, you let, let those go so you could give me your hand. And they said, no, I can't let these go. These are, this is my house or this is whatever. And they're willing to lose their life just to save their, the dumbbells in this case. They didn't want to let go to give you their hand. So then you, well, okay, I can't save you. For one, you know, salvation isn't mine to give, but two, you have to let that go. So then you just leave them because they are, they're, they're going to be the cause of their own demise. But then later that person realizes, well, yes, I am in the wrong. I, I am holding this more important or over the value of God. So I do need to, I do need to let go. So then they think, well, what if I was to strap it to my back or even tie it to my waist on a rope? Then I will have my hands to save myself. I could swim. So then they do that. And then they, they go and say, hey, can you help me? So then you go back to the water. And you see that, oh, good job. You, to you, you see, oh, they let what they were holding on go. So then, you know, now they can be safe. But inside, beneath the water, their heart is still holding on to the stuff that they don't want to let go. They just think that they can reason with it. And, oh, well, if it's around my waist, I can swim so I just can get out of the water and save my life. But when you, you reach your hand out to try to pull them out, you may pull them out a little bit, but then when you let go or they get back let's say they get out their sin what they're holding on to will just drag them back in that water they will drag them back into the ways of the world they won't be able to truly be free because they themselves are refusing to just let what they have holding them back go so when jesus tells his disciples what's impossible with men is possible with god it's because we can advise them, hey, let go of those dumbbells, or, you know, I suggest you let those go because you're going to die if you don't. And we can love them, but hey, Jesus has this better stuff for you. He even says itself, you shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. We can suggest love advice and advise them, but we can't make the decision for these people. We can't override their mind and say, let that go, you don't need it. They have to themselves let it go Amen. and because we can't we can't do that only only god can change the hearts of people forsaking isn't forgetting someone or shunning them it's turning it over completely to jesus and accepting how we can't give them what they need and we aren't going to stop our run or our walk or our progress with jesus to basically sit and drown with them when it's not even in our ability to save them and from a distance let's say they told you well just pull me out 
by not my hair but let's say they said well pull me out by my hair by my shirt and then as you're pulling them out from a distance it might look like you're the one who's drowning them because someone from the bike will see like you're pulling a t-shirt off of someone in the water and they're screaming you're there are you holding them down it's it'll just look like that job he didn't hold on to anything any of his life I'm sure he was very sad when his children died, when all his life accumulation was wiped out and his wife was against him. He was grieved, he was hurt, but he didn't make it take him off of his path with his God. He knew that a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. He knew that. When he had that all taken away, in a sense, he was able to let it go. He was able to forsake it because he couldn't have any of that without God giving it to him to begin with. So if God didn't want him to have it, he had that very good relationship with God that he left it in his hands for whatever happens, it's going to happen. And he put aside his flesh. He didn't say, well, I'm not even going to be sad. He was still sad. He just didn't let him curse God and become bitter with him. And that verse on Friday night, the light affliction is but for a moment. That's why I didn't know quite how to react to where it says light affliction because his didn't seem like it was very light and his moment was very long. It was a very, it was a hard time for him. But the future of his eternal life, his soul, was of more value than his temporary suffering that he was going through. The man that didn't want to sell his stuff, his temporary status in life was far more important than what he could have yeah. achieved in heaven. And that's what's going to keep him or even us out of heaven, holding on to the things that we don't, well, this isn't wrong, but if we make it take the place of God, then that's when it becomes wrong. And the parable of the people when the guy made a big dinner for them and he invited them and he said, here, come eat with me. And then they doing their own stuff. Oh, well, you know, I just bought some cattle. I need to go test them out. I bought a piece of land. I need to go try it out. I just got married. None of those things were wrong, but they put the cattle, the land, the marriage, um, let's say for us side jobs um, or even cars or time videos we want to watch or people we want to hang out with, places we want to go. They put that before that dinner. So, so then the Lord told his servant, none of those guys that I invited to this dinner are going to taste it now. So he went and he got, he told him to go get other people. So then me, for instance, a couple weeks ago, we were going to do the fast and I wanted to do it and I would have done it, but then I had already told someone else, well, I'll do that for you. So I was a little bit conflicted inside because I didn't want to say, well, I put our spiritual gain in the back burner for this. And for a couple days, I was thinking I might be doing something wrong. But then I was thinking, well, I'm not doing it for me. I already told them I would do it for them. So I, I prayed about it. And then I, w I was giving peace about it. So I was glad. And then the following weekend, we fasted and prayed. And I gave it everything I could because that's how, that's how I want to do. I want to forsake it all. And then when people would ask me, Oh, can you help me do this or do you want to do this or there's a job coming up? I would say no, I, I already got plans basically. And then when they ask me, oh, how was your weekend? I tell them, you know, it was good. And then they, oh, well, what'd you do? And I oh, I just went to church and I said, I went to church and I was there all day. And they kind of think, you know, oh, he's kidding. You know, why would he do that? But me inside, I felt happy and good that, yeah, I might have not done, let's say I didn't wash my dishes that day. But who cares about those dishes? There's more dishes and if, you know, that's not the big deal. But us being here, following Jesus, putting what we have on the back burner, every part of our worldly life is where it's the most important. 
So when we see something trying to impede or distract us from our relationship with our Father, we need to forsake it and we need to follow. We can't let the cares of the world get the best of us and then end up not making it into heaven because we could just not let go of something very simple. In Ecclesiastes it says, vanity of vanities, everything is vanity, there's nothing new under the sun. There, there's not anything that should take priority over Jesus. And when the devil comes in and tries to make something a priority, I try to rebuke it like Abram rebukes people. He doesn't do it in a bad way, but he's a child. He's very innocent and, you know, knows no and yes is yes. There was a couple times when I was going to give him a hug or something. He was in a bad mood and he yells, no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, never mind. I won't give you a hug. So if the devil says, oh, well, you know, you should wash your truck instead of reading your Bible. Since it's cooler right now, better to wash when it's cool. I need to tell the devil, no, I'm going to read my Bible. Amen. Truck can wait. Amen. If it's dirty, it's dirty. All it's going to do is get dirty again. Rebuke it, yes. forsake it, and make sure that you keep your eyes on Jesus. And once again, not let the cares of the world keep us out of our mansions that Jesus went away to build us. Amen. So with uh, that said, I will turn it over back over to Pastor if you are receiving my word. Amen. Amen. God is good. There's a scripture that says, Let us lay aside every weight that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience this race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God said, I would you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be well set. He don't want us to beg. He don't want us to steal. He wants us to have enough. There's another scripture that says, you will have enough where you will land and not borrow because he wants it that way. But when he gives it to us, we forget who gave it to us. And that's what makes it wrong. He gives us a good job. And then all of a sudden we can't go to church. We can't go to prayer because we have to go to work. We got to make these hours. That's not what we're supposed to do. When Peter got all those fish, he knew beyond. Okay, I can go to the sea. I've been here, done that, and didn't get nothing. But when Jesus was here, Jesus gave me this fish. There's fish everywhere. When you got Jesus, you got everything that you need. So if we get a good job, whatever God blesses us with, keep God first. And then you always have it. Because if you don't, you'll never have it. Job, the richest man in the East. There was no, that would, would feel kind of nice. He was the richest man in the East. There was nobody richer than he was. And he lost everything. And didn't do anything wrong too. He just lost it. But he never complained against God. And then what happened? God gave him more than what he had in the beginning. If you're with Jesus, all everything that you have will never end. But if you're not with God, that's when it ends. So when God blesses us, and I'm hoping that he does, I don't, I don't want Guideway Ministry, anybody, to borrow. I want us to lend to people. But God's not going to do that if he knows he's going to give and then we're going to forget. That's not... Because he cares about our soul more than our flesh. So if our flesh is going to make us go to hell because he made us rich, then he's not going to make us rich. Because he would rather us live with him. So if we have to suffer in order to go to heaven, guess what? You're going to suffer. But if he knows you can handle wealth good and not hold on to it, he wants you to be wealthy, healthy. We get healthy and don't give God praise. I had 4,773 units of allergies. 
I know what it feels like to not have even the basic things of life. I know what it feels like not to be able to get down on the ground and play. I know what it feels like not to be able to eat. So when God has blessed me to be able to eat and he took away all of that, I don't, I try not to let a meal go by without giving God things. I try not to put food first. If he says fast and I love to eat, believe that. But if God says fast, I will try to make my best too fast because the food comes from God. It's not ours. We didn't create it. We didn't get it. So whatever God blesses us with, let us remember the message today. Don't hold on to it. Because if your heart is in this earthly possession, that's where you will stay. And when Jesus calls you home, that's where you will be. I just praise God. I'm going to tell you this dream that I had. I was going to put it on the podcast because it's very important and it doesn't leave me alone. And I don't say this dream to toot my own horn and say that I'm a good teacher because I'm not. But I went up to the mountain to pray. And we were having some problems in this church. There was some division, there was some disagreements, there was some, and then I got a lot of phone calls saying that I was too strict and I needed to change the way I preached. And and, and it started weighing down on me. And I began to say, well, am I preaching right? Am I going the right way? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Because if I'm not, all of your blood is required on my hands. So I don't want that. So I went up to the mountain to pray. and. And first, before that, I was going to go up to the mountain and the devil started talking. It's not worth it. Well, you, you can go up to the mountain if you want to. God's not going to really answer. Not like you think he's going to answer. You know, you should just go ahead and finish the jobs that you have started. And I was like, no, I'm going to go do this anyway. But when I was packing up, a lady came to me and she said, are you moving? And I said, no, I'm just going camping. And she goes, you're not going camping. You're going to go talk to God. And it made me smile. I said, okay, thank you, Jesus. That was a good little push for me to go do this because I know you're going to accept it. So I went there and I went up the mountain and I, be, I, I fell on my knees and I began to pray. And I said, Lord, I can't lead a congregation. I can't pastor. I can't do nothing without you. This is too much. I can't do it by myself. And I don't know if I'm even going the right direction. I think I am, but I don't know. And nothing happened. I went up the mountain again and I prayed again. The same thing, Lord, I need your help. I need guidance. I need you to do something for me. Tell me, I don't need a sign. Because the Bible says that a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. So I was like, I don't want to ask for a sign because I don't want to be classified as a wicked and adulterous generation. But I need something. Just tell me you're on your right track and I'll leave it alone. And I'll just run. But when I went up there that second time, he told me, go down and fast three days and come back and talk. So I did. I left. I went down and I told Mark, I said, you know what? I think I have to fast three days and then go back and talk to God. So Mark kind of smiled. I said, okay. So I did. And as I was fasting, I had a dream. And in my dream, there was this room bigger than you could imagine or see. And there was one sitting. I couldn't see his silhouette. I couldn't see who he was. I couldn't see him. I could only see his hands, but his hands looked very terrible. Like, those weren't hands you wanted on you if he wasn't happy. Those were very terrible hands. But on, on as he was sitting down, he was judging people. And it wasn't the end of the world. It was our lifespan. We only have a certain amount to live. So it wasn't the end of the world, but God calls you home. So people die every day. And he calls you home. And this man was judging. 
And the people were standing before him, and every time he would point, they would kill him. And the people began to beg and to plead and to say, they told me or they taught me or it was his person or his fault or her fault, and they were, but he wouldn't even listen. It was like he couldn't even hear them. And he was just killing them. They were dropping dead like flies, left and right. And I was standing there, but in my dream, I was nervous that I was going to see God, but I wasn't scared that he was going to kill me. And then he called me, and I went up to the front of the room, and he told me, stay. And we were about this distance, and he was sitting down, and I was just standing there, and he said, stay. And I was staying, and he called this other person, and this other person came up, and he said, you would have made it in if you would have listened, but you didn't listen. And he showed that person his life. Not on a TV screen, not on anything. It was he took him back to the day. And this man was fighting this creature. It was kind of a childish. He wasn't really a full-grown man. He was more of a child. And he was fighting this creature. And it wasn't a man and it wasn't a dog. It was not an animal. It was an ugly, ugly creature that he was fighting. And he was fighting and fighting and fighting, but he couldn't win and he, and he wouldn't lose. And the one that was sitting down said, you would have won if you would have listened but you didn't listen, you don't listen. And then he told me, show him how to win. And in my dream, I knew I couldn't beat that creature. It was impossible, but I knew Jesus could beat the creature. So I just went for it. And I went, I fought that creature and I fought and fought. And the more I fought, the faster God made me and he gave me speed and strength. And after a while, I pinned the creature down, I busted his head wide open and it was hollow on the inside. There was nothing in there. And I stood up and the one that was sitting down said, well done, and shook my hand. But I couldn't feel his hand. I wish I could have, but maybe that would have been too much for me. But he shook my hand and I couldn't feel it, but he shook it and he said, well done. And I woke up and I said, I have to teach. I'm not teaching wrong. I'm not too strict and I'm not going the wrong direction. I got so excited. I almost broke my fast, but I didn't because he had told me to fast three days. So I almost broke it. I was so excited. I got up and I told Mark, I said, Mark, you're not going to believe what I just dreamed. And so I, I know that I'm not teaching wrong. I know that everything in here is the truth. And if we don't walk a straight and narrow way and have our hearts with God, none of us are going to make it. We have to learn to listen. When the preacher's preaching, listen. Take it in. And don't be a hearer only, be a doer. All, everything, no matter what it is, pride, lust, a grudge, the simplest thing, if we know it is not godly, let it go. It would be a sad thing to stand before God and Him say, you would have made it, but you didn't listen. That would be sad. All of our struggles and trials and tribulations will be vain if we stand before God and we just didn't listen. We had one little argument and what let it go and died and burn for one little grudge. That's not worth it. None of that's worth it. Let us listen. Let us pay attention. And may God have a blessing to the reading of his word. We're going to open up the altar if anybody needs prayer. Just come up and we will pray. God is an awesome God, saints. God is a very awesome God. You, you can kneel. You can stand. Philip, what do you want? I want this church to grow and him to be blessed. For us to be able to to minister to this this dying city that we call our town, there's so many people out there that are that don't have truth and don't even care. I pray, Lord God, that 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 He directs us and He leads us to the people that that want to listen and and, and be strengthened and be delivered from this world. 
Tracy, what do you want? listening to this message as I hope it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to show you the path of life and an opportunity of a lifetime. It is Christ's love and support that makes this opportunity possible. Please visit Guided Way Ministries online for more products, partnership, or to join. Visit us on Anchor to become a listener supporter. 
May God bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his face always upon you. And may he forever keep you.